Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. It's a great, it's a great joy for me to be here today. Jeff and I had a conversation um, several weeks ago, and he mentioned we were we were talking about something else entirely. And in the course of our conversation, um, I, I mentioned something about how at this point in my life now I collect kindnesses. Some some people collect different things. I collect kindness. What, what I meant by that, and what I mean by that, is that I, when someone, someone is kind to me, I take note of it. It's not a small thing to me, and I register that in my brain, and I may not remember exactly what happened in that moment, but I remember that face of that person. And I find myself many, many times in response to life happening around me, I'll say, thank you for being kind to me today. Or thank you for being kind to my family. Y'all, you see what I'm saying? And Jeff, and that resonated with Jeff in a, in a certain way. And then I, I told him something else that I want to tell you in just a few minutes uh, about, about the kindness of God. And he said, you know, we're, we're, gonna, we're about to start a series on kindness. And, and I would like for you to share with our, with our congregation about what you've learned about the kindness of, about the kindness of God. So y'all been learning about the kindness of God, right? And the name of your series is something I can't remember. <laughs> Say it again. Kindness in an age of cruelty. That's a great, great title. It's a great message. It's a great series. And um, so I want to share that with you. Some of you... Um, how many of you have heard me before, or else this is your very first time? Well, I've been here before, but I realize that your congregation is growing and expanding, and people move in and move out. I get that. So some of you have seen, uh, been here before when I've been here before, but... Um, I want to, here's what I want to do, and I, I love, Jeff, I've always loved story point. I love those two words together, and I love that this is a place, and I love the brother who's the deputy sheriff, and by the way, I feel completely safe here, <laughs> because he's here, but I love him telling his story, and I love that this is a place, this is a place for story. Because my life has a story, and your life has a story, and your life has a story. And more importantly, God has a story that He's invaded our worlds with. And it's a story about Himself. And so I wanna, what I want to do for just a few minutes is tell you a piece of my story that spans almost four years. And then I want, I want, to, I want to tell you about two things that God has taught me that's absolutely transformed my life in such a way that I'll never, ever, ever again be the same as I used to be the last time I was here. I'm different because God has changed me radically. I want to talk to you about that and about what God's taught me about His kindness. I want to talk to you about that. And so I'm going to tell a little bit of story. I'm going to tell you two things that God's taught me. I'm going to share three 
passage of Scripture with you that are the basis for everything that I'll say. And then we'll close after that. Y'all good? So going on four years ago, over three and a half years ago, um, I began going through a divorce. Having been in ministry for around 40 years, uh, divorce is um, it's the end of life as you know it. It's easy for me to understand why God would say in His Word, I hate divorce. I get that. It's so destructive. It's so painful. It hurts so many people. There ain't nothing good about it. But that was my life. That's where I was. And so everything, everything began to change for me at that point. And I knew it would, but I couldn't possibly, possibly imagine the scope of that change. So, God began to show me some things. And the first thing that God showed me, or the first way that God showed showed His kindness to me, and I didn't recognize it as kindness at this point, but God allowed me to experience the pit. Now, that sounds like cool language, but it's also biblical language. The Old Testament frequently refers to the pit and to pits. And David often referred to the pit and his being in the pit and him needing God to get him out of the pit. And I experienced my own personal pit. And I don't think there's any two pits that are just alike, but I certainly had one. In the pit, you experience a loss. For me, marriage, gone. Because of that, my job, gone. Income, gone. Friends, gone. Eventually, house, gone. Most of my worldly possessions, gone. And I was alone. And it was in the pit that I understood for the very first time in my life what it felt like to be afraid. I'm talking about fear that you can taste in your mouth. I'm talking about anxiety that is paralyzing and panic at sometimes that will absolutely terrorize you. It's bad to be in the pit. It's an awful place to be. I understood about despair. I understood what it meant to be despondent. I came so close to the brink of absolute hopelessness and I was alone. This was the beginning, five months, of what, was a, what became a two-year period of solitude where I lived my life with me and with my Australian shepherd named Reagan. It was just the two of us. And had it not been for the love of my children and the love of my brother during that time, I would have been utterly alone. It's bad to be in the pit. It's bad to be terri terrified. It's bad to be afraid. It's bad to panic. It's bad to live in anxiety. And it's bad to live in a place where it looks like God has utterly forgotten you. 
God let me experience the pit. The second thing I would tell you is that God woke me up to his presence. After about five months of what I just described to you, which was absolutely the worst period of my life. I don't tell you that to impress you because some of you have been in worse places, but it was just my, this is, I can tell my story here, right? This is my story. God woke me up to his presence. Jeff asked me when we were having a conversation a month or so ago, he said, have you come to a place where you just don't care what people think about you? I said, yeah, I have. It's absolutely liberating. <laughs> you know, because I'm not going to stand before you in judgment. You're not my judge. I don't mean to seem cold about that, but I just don't care. I tell you that in prelude to what I'm fixing to tell you, because some of you would think I'm nuts, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> One morning, I'm in bed. It's 3.30 in the morning. I know this because I made note of it. And God woke me up. And He said, meet me in the study. At that point, I was still in my house, and I had a lovely study, library. And He said, meet me in the study. This not being something I normally heard from God, I ignored it and tried to go back to sleep. And God was, God was insistent, and He told me again, Meet me in the study. So I got up and put on my clothes and I went in the study and I sat down in my place where I normally sat and I picked up my Bible and put it in my lap and I opened it and I sat there and guess what God said to me next? Nothing. Nothing. Just, and I was just there. And I had my Bible open in my lap. I didn't know what God meant to happen next, so I just started reading somewhere in the Psalms. I don't know where I was reading. Or maybe I think it was in the Gospel of Matthew. What I'm going to do, I don't know. And so I started reading. And I made a few notes about what I observed and what I read, and then I, I went to bed. And the next morning, you know, I decided I, God thought it was a good idea for me to meet Him in the study. He might be there again. And so I went back, and I went back, and I went back, and I went back, and I went back. And, and that became a pattern of my life that continues as recently as this morning. Because that's how I live my life now. I meet God in the morning. And during that period of time, God began to, to do such, a, such an interesting thing in my life. And and I began to I began to read the Bible and and I don't I, I was especially warm to the Psalms and uh, it was in the Psalms as I read in the Psalms that that I recognized that there were words there that I could have written words I could have written and so I'm reading in the Psalms and and as I'm reading in the Bible. God the Holy Spirit began to convict me of my sin. And He began to bring clarity to my thinking. And if you've ever been in the pit before, you know that one thing that's in short supply is clear thinking. And He began to bring conviction in my heart and clarity in my thinking. And He began to bring longing in my heart for things to be different. And God began to plant inside of me again a little bit of hope. And I began to read, and guys, I've been in ministry for 40 years. I was not a stranger here. These are not, I wasn't a stranger here. 
but I never had a relationship with the Word of God like the one that began to develop in me. And I began to read and hear, and, and I, began to, I began to say, God, these, 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 I could have written these words. And when David said in Psalm 142, I pour out my complaint before him and I tell him my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it's you who know my way. In the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see, nobody's concerned for me. I have no refuge. No man careth for my soul. And I said, God, God, these are my words. These are my words. And somebody's been there before me, and somebody wrote this before me, and somebody's experienced this before me. God, if there was any hope for this guy, then there must be some hope for me. And I begin to find things like that, and just over and over and over and over again, where the psalmist is just crying out to God, and he's saying, God, I'm in the pit. God, will you help me? Will you listen to me? Will you hear my cry? And I'm crying out to God by His own words. And then day turned into day after day after day after day after day. And God is just feeding this hunger inside of me. Bob, there's more, there's more, there's more. And I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading. Oh, and I'm seeing the sweetest stuff here. I'm saying, oh God, yes, yes. And then I'm over in Isaiah 43. Oh my soul, Isaiah 43. God, the water's up to my neck, but God, you're gonna, but you, you pull me out and I'll walk through the fire, but you don't let me be burned. Oh my, over and over and over and over and over again. And so I came, oh boy, morning came out with, there's no place in the world I was gonna be except here because God was feeding my desperate soul. I'll never be the same about Scripture anymore. Guys, I have a college degree and two seminary degrees. And I didn't know what I learned when I was in the pit. How God breathes. He breathed these words and He breathed life. He began to breathe life into me by His Word. And so God began to, He taught me to value and to treasure being alone with Him. I reference that, I say it to you again, God taught me to treasure being alone with Him. You know, I had time. I didn't have a job. I couldn't, I couldn't find a job. I had over a hundred rejection emails in a folder. I tried everywhere. Bob, I tried everything I knew to get a job. I couldn't even find a job I just couldn't find a job. God shut every single door. Nothing. I tried to get a job selling refrigerators at Sears. Back when there was a Sears, I couldn't eat. Nope, they wouldn't hire me. Finally, a lady down at the PSC at the job, Escarosa something or other, she said, don't repeat this, but you are too old and you're too educated. There is no job for you. And she was a prophetess. There was no job for me. Anyway, God, I, my point is that God, I had time. I spent, I spent time every day with God. And God taught me to value and treasure being alone with Him. The most important thing about that time is that God showed me the glory of who He was. And He showed me the utter brokenness of myself. The association started a ministry to homeless people many years ago, and the pastor who started that, Jeff Henry, used to ask me, would you come and speak to these homeless people? I, I just, and I found every excuse in the world not to go. 
And then finally I said, Jeff, please stop asking me to come. I'm not coming. I have nothing to say to them. That's what I told him, Bob. Please, just stop. I'm not coming. I don't want to talk to them. They scare me and I don't know what to say to them. So in the midst of all this, guess who called me and invited me to come? He called me up and said, would you come? I said, yes, I'll come. (laughs) Because I had seen myself in here. I'd seen myself holding a sign under a bridge. And it was real to me. I know now with a clear thought, clear head, that my daughter would have never let that happen to me. I know that now. But I want to tell you in the pit, it looked like a very real possibility. Because I had nothing. I didn't have a job, didn't have a prospect, didn't have any money. I had nothing. So when he asked me to come, I was glad to get the invitation. And I remember sharing with him. And you know what I found out? I connected to him. I thought, I found my people. (laughs) I did. I did. I said, you know what I told him? I said, I don't know what your story is. Your story's not like my story. My story's not like your story. I've never been where you are. Where you were last night, I've never been there. But I could see myself there. And I said, you know what? I have a big D on my forehead because I'm divorced. And as a result of my divorce, I lost this and this and this and this and this. And then I said, what's your letter? Alcohol? Drugs? What's your letter? And I realized, you know what? Everybody's broken. Everybody's broken. Everybody sitting in this room right now is broken. We're all broken. In those quiet moments in the morning, God began to show me His glory. God began to speak to me with conviction. He began to, he began to redeem everything in me that had been broken by sin. And the arrogance and the pride and the rebellion and the stubbornness in my spirit, God began to break that down and peel that away layer by layer by layer by layer. And the more He did and the more He peeled away and the more, the more He showed me about the glory of who He is. And God met with me in the mornings. And I told you I treasured those times. I remember having this thought because I wrote it in my journal at that time. I remember this thought. It's like I went out, had my coffee and my Bible and my journal, and I sat down, and it's like God said to me, I'm glad to see you, Bob. I've been waiting on you to get here. I've been up all night. I've been waiting on you. And God had an appointment with me every morning. And He wants to have an appointment with you every morning, too. But God began to show me the glory of Himself. It was the most wonderful thing I've ever experienced in my life. And there were times when the presence of God was so real in my life, sitting under that pergola at that little rent house on Flintlock, where God met with me in glory and power. I remember, I remember just a handful of times being so pressed down is almost though I was enveloped in a cloud of the holiness and the glory of God that pressed me down in the chair so I didn't even have the strength to get out of it. That's how close and near God was to me. And I was overwhelmed by His presence because the living God was right there. 
And at the same time, I wanted to get out of that chair and just spread myself out, flat face down on the floor, on the, on the, on the, pay, on, on the concrete there, and cry out to God. Because His holiness was overwhelming to me. At the same time, I wanted to prostrate myself before God. I wanted to leap up and shout and sing and dance and oh, and to glorify His name. Friends, I want to tell you, God, God met with me. God met with me. And He showed me His glory and He showed me my brokenness. And He showed me His goodness. I was overwhelmed. I wrote about it so many times during that period about the goodness of God. And Jeff, that song that y'all just sang a minute ago, Good, Good Father. Man, that thing would come up on the Christian radio music that I was playing sometimes. And I'd just walk through my house, just weeping. Just weeping. I said, God, you're so good. You're so good. God, you're good. Because I couldn't do anything but weep before him because he showed me how good he was to me. And everything I needed in any given day, God provided for it. God provided. God provided. And God showed me his goodness. And he showed me his faithfulness. And he showed me his love. And I want to tell you, you know what it did to me? It broke my heart. It broke my heart. Now I want to tell you the two things that, that changed me. And my life has changed forever because of these two things. Number one is this. That in all of God's dealing with me, in all of God's dealing with me, He should have crushed me. He should have stomped me like a bug and kicked me in the gutter. That's what He should have done. Because I'd been so rebellious. I'd been so hard-hearted. I'd gotten so cynical. I was angry. I was bitter. And God should have just stomped me like a bug and kicked me aside. But I want to tell you, that's not what He did. And it occurred to me one morning that God had never treated me any way except with kindness. God had loved me. His love for me was so intimate. He showed me this intimate. God knew me. He knew everything about me. He loved me so intimately and intentionally. And it occurred to me that in all these months that had been going by, all these months, God had never one time slapped me. You stupid. Didn't you know better than that? You idiot. You call yourself a Christian? Not one time. Because God, you know, He's not the accuser of the brethren. That's somebody else's job. During this period of time, I read this, I read this line that meant so much to me, and it said, Satan knows you by name, but he calls you by your sin. Whereas Jesus knows your sin, but he calls you by name. That's good. And it occurred to me that God had only ever showed me kindness. And when I had that understanding, 
that what I'd been the recipient of was the kindness of God. Romans chapter 2, don't you know that it's the kindness of God that leads you to repentance? And I got this. I said, oh God. And then that just, that just caused me again to just want to, just want to celebrate the goodness and the kindness and the love of God. And friends, I've never been, I'll never be the same again. I'll never ever be the same again. Because I understand that God treats His children with kindness and love and compassion. And when God allowed me to be in the pit and it looked like the end of my life, I want to tell you that it was the kindness of God that allowed me to get there. Because if I hadn't been there, I wouldn't have changed, He wouldn't have changed me and I wouldn't have learned what He wanted me to learn. The kindness of God. And, this, and the second thing and the last thing is this. It's the last thing I have time to share, you understand. Because there are many things. God showed me that He wanted me to know Him and to love Him supremely above everything else and to find in Him my satisfaction. You say, that was a discovery for you, Bob? Maybe you've heard this before. What's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and the strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You had not heard that before? Yeah, I've heard it plenty of times, just like you have. But I never lived it. It's one thing to hear it, it's quite another thing to live it. And so over this period of time, over this two-year period of time, God, God showed me. He showed me everything. He showed me myself. He showed me so many things about Himself. And He changed my appetite, friend. He changed my appetite. He changed my desires. He changed my longings. He changed me from the inside out. So God was peeling away stuff in my life. Peeling away. Morning by morning by morning. Peeling away. Peeling away. Peeling away. Peeling away. And then finally, and I was, this was such a sweet communion with God. And I'm just rejoicing and celebrating. God, you're so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And there was just one place left in my heart where there was a void. And I thought, God, if you just let me have this one thing, my life would just be complete. And it had to do with a relationship that I felt like I'd never had. God, if you just let me have that, my life would be so sweet. And the first time I remember thinking that thought, this is what I heard from God. Bob, do you trust me? Lord, you know I trust you. And he said, will you trust me in this? I said, yes, Lord, I'll trust you in this. But still I had this longing. Every morning then for a period of time, Bob, do you trust me? Yes, Lord. God, you're all I have. I'll trust you completely. And he said, will you trust me with this? Trust me with this. Will you trust me with this? And over a period of weeks and weeks and weeks, God has this conversation with me every single day. Until one day, I'm sitting in my place. I'm meeting with God. I'm meeting with the living God who's loving me and knowing me intimately and showing me myself and himself. And in this moment, he asked me the same question, Bob, do you trust me with this? And I said, God, I trust you. 
And I realized, I realized in that moment, God, I trust you. God, I realize that all you've ever wanted was for me to find my satisfaction in you. And I want to tell you, friends, this was like me discovering the greatest scientific discovery in the history of mankind. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I get this. And God confirmed this in my spirit. And he's just saying, Bob, all I've ever wanted for you was that you would trust me and find me to be your satisfaction so that you didn't need anything else except me, just to be satisfied in me. And I want to tell you, friends, this is revolutionary. It changed my life. This changed, this changed, this changed my life. God, I don't, need a, I don't have to have a mate. I don't have to have a job. I don't have to have money. I don't have to have position. I don't have to have prestige. I don't have to have reputation. I don't have to have a house. I don't have to have clothes. I don't have to have a car. I don't have to have health. I don't have to have anything. Except God, just to be pleased, just to be satisfied in you and to find you as my joy and my delight. Oh God, I trust you with all these things. If you want me to have any of these things, God, you'll give them to me. If you don't want me to have them because you know best that I don't need these things, they're not for my good, then you withhold them and I'll celebrate your goodness. Friends, this changed my life. This, this changed my life. Changed my life. All it is is love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. That means don't love anything more than that. God taught me this. Now here's the verses, and I'm almost done. Psalm 40. If you're taking notes, just write the references down. Psalm 40. David said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He turned His ear toward me, and He heard my cry. And he lifted me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. And he set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. And he put a new song in my heart. And many shall see it in fear and put their trust in the Lord. Lamentations 3. <sighs> you ought to spend a lot of time in Lamentations 3. It's just amazing. Lamentations 3, you're probably familiar with one phrase out of this. But Lamentations 3, Jeremiah says, Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. Friends, I want to tell you, I'd thank God for that. God, because of your great love, I'm not consumed. Because of your mercy that's new. Your mercies never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. If you flipped over toward the end of chapter 3 in verse 55, you would hear, you'd hear these words. I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Don't close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near, God, when I called you and you said, do not fear. O Lord, listen to these words, friends. O Lord, you took up my case. You redeemed my life. Friends, I'm here today because God took up my case. And He's redeeming in my life everything that's been broken by sin. And He'll do the same for you. And the, the last passage, and I, I could tell you a hundred, but the last one that I identified for today is Psalm 16. <laughs> Good grief. Psalm 16. God, you've shown me the path of life. 
that in your presence there's fullness of joy. And at your right hand, God, there are pleasures forevermore. Everything God, everything, everything God, everything good from God. There's an old hymn, and so many of you are too young, you don't know this old hymn. But it's in loving kindness, Jesus came. Anybody in here know that song? Two people, two old people in here. It goes like this. In loving kindness, Jesus came, my soul in mercy. <laughs> to, to reclaim, and from the depths of sin and shame, through grace, He lifted me. From sinking sand, he lifted me. With tender hands, he lifted me. From shades of night to plains of light. Oh, praise his name. He lifted me. Now, I don't know why God wanted me to be here today. I'll tell you this. Jeff knows this. I don't get these invitations anymore. But God meant for me to be here today. Because he knew you were going to be here. Because this isn't about me. It's about God. And it's about you. And I don't know who you are. And I don't know why God wanted you to hear what I had to say today. But I know, I can tell you this, it's been almost four years of God forming this story in me. And it's been the worst part of my life and the best part of my life. I'd never want to live it again, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Nothing. For the excellency and for the supremacy of being able to know Him. And friends, I'm, I'm concerned that there's some of you here today that are in the pit. And it's such a horrible place to be. I want to encourage you that God is there too. And He's using the pit to bring you to the place to know Him and to trust Him in all things in your life. So some of you are in the pit. Some of you might be just really close to it. And one, you're one decision away from being in it. I don't know. Here's what I do know. God is faithful. God is good. God is loving. God is merciful. And God is kind. And God's love reaches even into the pit. And He can reach you there too. So let's, let's bow our heads. And Jeff's going to be coming just now. He knows you. But with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, is there anybody in here today that would say, Boy, Bob... I'm glad you came today because I needed to hear this. And I sure wish I thought somebody was praying for me today. By the way, when I was in the pit, I didn't go to church. I didn't go to church for months and months and months and months. So if you're in the pit today, it's probably one that's not known to other people. But if you're in the pit today and you would say, Boy, God brought me here today because I needed to hear this. I wish you'd pray for me.
Would you just lift your hand, put it right back down. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else? God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? All right. Lord Jesus, glorify yourself today. Your, your love is amazing and overwhelming. Your kindness leads us to repentance. God, you reach, you save even to the uttermost. You save to the guttermost. And you reach even into the pit. Oh, Jesus, for these people who've just laid, raised their hands today and other people who are close to it. Oh, Lord, your path that you have among just... God, I pray that you would reach into their pit and that you would embrace them with your kindness and love. God, lift them out. Lift them up out of that pit and put them on a firm place. Give them a firm place to stand on the rock that's Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd redeem everything that's been broken by sin and that you would restore for your glory. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's funny. Uh, we, sometimes we think that education and position and those things are what make us into uh, effectiveness and into people that, 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 you know, influence others. But isn't it quite the opposite? It's when God takes us and crushes us that he can pull us out of us and put himself in. As you've just heard, and as you've just experienced, in this room, there are those who are in need of God's grace. Well, we're all in need of God's grace. But in, in this room, somebody is in, in, in a desperate place. Let's stand together. If that's you, maybe the only words you have are, God, help me. Say them to him. This morning, if you've not ever trusted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and your Savior, I want to invite you to know him. Say to him, God, I know that I need you. I know that you died so that I could be made right with you. I trust you with my life. If you have something else that's on your heart and you want to come and kneel and pray, you feel free to do that. We're just going to kind of take a few moments here at the end and let, let the word that we've heard dwell inside of us. Find out more about First Baptist Church Gold Breeze at fbcgoldbreeze.org.